Welcome to yet another webisode of Insider's Look at Grand Canyon. I'm out here at the rim, just enjoying these great views, and uh, who came out of the woods but Captain John Hans. He's here with me again today. Remember from the first part of the Captain John Hans series that he was the first settler at the Grand Canyon. In 1886, Captain Hans placed an advertisement in the Flagstaff paper offering to show people the canyon. Well, since you've come out of the woods, Captain Hans, can you tell us what the advertisement said? Being thoroughly conversant with all the trails leading into the Grand Canyon of the Colorado, I am prepared to conduct parties there too at any time. I have a fine spring of water near my house on the rim of the canyon, and I can furnish accommodations for tourists and their animals. You know, Captain Hans soon began providing guests with food and lodging at his cabins and guiding them with mules and using horses. Is that true, ha Captain Hans? That is true, but I soon discovered that the real riches lay in entertaining the tourists. Well, you know, those first tourists must have wondered how you managed living all the way out here. Can you tell us what those early days were like? Oh, when I first arrived at the Grand Canyon, I didn't know nothing about this place. And the one thing that really surprised me the most was... They have winter at the Grand Canyon, and I was here. I had built myself a nice little cabin. I was enjoying living here. There wasn't a lot to eat. You could hunt a little bit. Well, when I first came out to the Grand Canyon, there was lots of things I didn't know. I mean, I knew how to build myself a cabin, and I had built myself a nice cabin out here, but the one thing I didn't realize was that Grand Canyon has winter. I thought it was Arizona. I didn't know it got so cold here. And I realized that there was clouds coming in, and I didn't think too much about it. There weren't a lot to eat. I was doing a little hunting now and again. Clouds come in a little bit more, and next thing I know was it started to snow. And as soon as it started to snow, I thought, I better hightail it out of here. So I grabbed me a willow branch and I twisted it all together and I made myself a nice pair of willow snowshoes. And I strapped on my willow snowshoes and I decided I was going to head myself down to Flagstaff. You see, I knew where Flagstaff was. Rung me here had run right past it on the way. So I knew where Flagstaff was. I decided I'm going to walk on down there. So I started walking. But boy, the snow started coming. And the snow started getting thicker and harder and faster and I kept a walking on my willow snowshoes but the snow kept a coming and pretty soon I had ice a growing in my beard and it was getting harder and harder to walk but I kept trudging and kept pushing blowing in my face and and suddenly I realized I weren't gonna make it I weren't gonna make it so I decided I better turn around and try to make it back to the safety of my little cabin in the woods so I turned around and I headed back and I got to the clearing where I thought my cabin should be, and no cabin. And I thought, oh my goodness, somebody done stole my cabin. I couldn't find it, and a little hole in the ground. And I, I looked at that little hole, and there was smoke coming out of that hole. And I looked over there, and I realized I had never seen smoke and snow before. And I realized that that was the chimney of my cabin. That snow had got so deep, it had buried the whole darn thing. And the only thing that was left was the top of the chimney. So I got over there, and I dug down, and I found myself a window dug it through the snow and slinted on down in through the wind, laying there cold and wet and tired and, and hungry. I started hearing a growling, and I realized that growling was my stomach, and I started looking for food. So I walked over, and I looked underneath the bedstead a little bit, and no food. And I, and I looked over on the little shelves that I had built on the wall, and, and no food, and, and there weren't no food at all. I was really glad there was a little bit of fire. At least I was warm, but... I couldn't find no food, and suddenly I looked, and, and way over there underneath one little 
corner of a cabinet, I found one jar of molasses. Oh, I love molasses. Sweet, sticky molasses. But it was winter, and that molasses is kind of stuck in there. So I commenced trying to pour some of that molasses down in the skillet. And it was slow, but it got down in there, and I let it stir and simmer a little bit. And I thought, well, now, that looks kind of runny. It needs something. So I looked around, and over there in another corner on a shelf, I found something. found one bar of Babbitt's Best Soap. Rose-scented. Oh, it smelled so wonderful, all wrapped in that pretty paper. And I thought, that smells really good. I wonder how that would taste with molasses. <laughs> and so I took my trusty sheath knife, and I started carving some of that molasses and carving some of that soap down in. I let that stir and simmer on the stove for a while, and I thought, ah, it looks kind of runny. That's kind of terrible. I need something. And I looked around and couldn't find no food and looked around. And there in the corner, there, I found something special. I found one old boot. And I got to thinking, now boot and leather is made out of cow. That's beef. And so I started carving some of that old boot down into the skillet with the molasses and the soap. And I let it stir and simmer and stir and simmer. And when it cooked up into a nice thick pasty mass, I took my wooden spoon and I scooped it down in there in that skillet and... Oh, oh that was nasty. Oh, that tasted terrible. But if you're hungry, you'll eat. So I ate it. Next day I woke up, still snowing. So I took some more of that molasses and I poured it down in the skillet and some more of that beautiful rose-scented Babbitt's Best Soap. Oh, smelled so wonderful. So I carved some of that down into the skillet and, and I had to carve the little eyelet thingies out of the boot, you know, with the knife. But I put some more of the boot down there in the skillet, and I let it stir and simmer and stir and simmer. And, and this time I was thinking, and I, when I got my wooden spoon, I, I held my nose. I held my nose, and... Oh, that's terrible stuff. But if you're hungry, you will eat. The next day I woke up, still snowing. I scraped the last little dribble of that molasses down there into that skillet. And I unwrapped the last of the paper and scraped the last tiny little bit of that soap down there into the skillet. Down to the sole of that old nasty boot. Do you have any idea where a mule skinner's boot has been? And I put it down in there and I let it stir and simmer and stir and simmer and I picked it up and it was crunchy this time. <laughs> And I ate it. Oh, that was nasty. Fortunately, I woke up the next day and the sun had come out and it a nice crust of ice on top of that snow. And so I strapped on them willow snowshoes and I hightailed it down to Flagstaff. I did. I made it. I was alive. But I'm here to tell you, and I expect you'll believe it's true, living like that for them three days has just plum ruined the taste of soap for me ever since. I'm never eating it again. Won't touch the stuff. ha, <laughs> ha.